is Comms Day Live. I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. Well, this week's episode is all about TPG Telecom. They held a big investor day this week where they paraded out all their senior executives one by one to give us a story about what's happening at that company. Now, the reason it was significant is that TPG has been quite insular and inwardly focused the past couple of years as it worked through integrating its merger between TPG and Vodafone that occurred nearly two years ago. Of course, COVID also intervened in the intro, which which, uh, stymied their ability to perform uh, investor communications of this type. And now now they're, they're back in a kind of normal environment. They did what could be... I guess compared um, to what Telstra have been doing with their T22 and T25 presentations of late, where they've gone into quite some depth about what they're doing throughout the company. So it was quite interesting. And um, what I wanted to do first was play you an excerpt of what CEO Inaki Beretta had to say. Um, and it, it depicted, a, uh, I guess, a vision of a company that has, has gone through its integration process and is now ready to take advantage of the opportunities in front of it. Let me start by saying, you know, in 2020, when we, when we started this journey, we set a very clear um, focus on, at the same time that we integrate and we deliver synergies to make sure that we keep... Um, our eyes on the ball to make sure that we had operational focus on the business. It was a time where, you know, we were merging two businesses in the middle of a pandemic. Um, there was a lot of people leaving the market and affecting us in a disproportionate way. And we had also, um, for, you know, regulatory reasons, a significant gap in terms of our 5G rollout and all that had to be taken care of at that time. In 2021, we uh, communicate um, a bit more around um, the, three, the three parts of uh, the three guiding principles of, uh, of, uh, of our activity. First, integrate and simplify. Second one, win smart. And the last one, maximize our potential. Integrate and Simplify was really around creating a simple, uh, lean, but also an scalable platform uh, for our technology, people, and processes. We were moving from a somehow divisional structure to an end-to-end company, a platform that was looking end-to-end to all our infrastructure, all our brands, and be able to provide with that the opportunity to scale uh, better. Um, we concentrate on winning smart, which was taking opportunity of of some of the advantages that we had at the time, and you know, fixed fix wireless is, is an example of of that. And then there is maximize our potential, and I think that this is what I wanted to to talk about a bit more today. So, what is maximizing our potential? I think that TPG will have a unique opportunity to become Australia's best telco. And we have the unique opportunity to become Australia's best telco for our customers, for our employees, for our shareholders, but also to the community that we operate. I think that today, more than ever, our simplicity and the value that we provide are more relevant. We are a focused company. We we provide telecommunication services. We are proud of that. We are not shy of saying it. 
and we want to be the best at that. I think that that's really our, our aim. We are also creating a very strong culture in the business. Um, this merger has allowed to, to accumulate incredible talent around the sector um, and also a, you know, a, a core team of people that share a lot of commonalities about making TPG a great business to work. Our values stand together. So we are creating one company, we are one company, and we operate as one company coming from many different uh, businesses. The second value is we own it, so we take individual and collective pride of what we do, and we are a company of people that are accountable. We are all accountable of, of what we do, and we have a culture of accountability. We are bold. And that's our third value, boldly go. We really are not shy of taking the bets that we need to take, the right calls. And then the last one, um, the last value, which is simple, is better. This is something that has characterized our business for, for a long time. And we think there is a competitive advantage, especially because we are able to be efficient. But more importantly, we are able to provide a much simple life to our customers. At the back of COVID, customers are experiencing um, a lot of cost of living pressures. Um, and then we see a telco industry that continues to be squeezed uh, by the MBN cost pressures and also by, by the fact that you know, there are elevated capital requirements um, delivering our 5G promise. And I think that this is an environment where our company, our simplicity, and the value orientation can really help us uh, to thrive. I think that the pandemic highlights some of the challenges of our and I think that you know we did lose uh, um, more customers who were more exposed to the to the international business, and then it also highlighted uh, the fact that our regional coverage was uh, smaller than than our competitors, and these are things that we have, um, we have really addressed, and I think that we have put a, a, a lot of emphasis in recovering the commercial momentum, and more importantly also in looking at how we find a solution for our geographical coverage, and we will talk a little bit more about that in the Q&A. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that we are now through this merger and through the changes that we have made, ended up with a company that is going to be able to provide telecom services across all the different technologies. We will be able to do that across all the segments with our emphasis on not just consumer but also enterprise. And I think that the other thing that will be a significant change uh, for, for our businesses across the whole country. So we are focused. Um, we are very proud of being focused on, on telco and, and on being also a great value provider. So that's Inaki Beretta, the CEO of TPG Telecom. Um, we also heard from the group executive consumer, Kieran Cooney. Uh, he had a very interesting message. You know, un unlike some of um, the other telcos in the market that call themselves technology companies or in, in one case, an un-telco, um, 
he was loud and proud about the fact that TPG Telecom is a telco. Let's hear what he had to say. We're proud to be a telco. We don't want to be a techco. We don't want to be anything else. And this focus allows us to not be distracted and not carry the cost of flirtations into other industries. And as Australians are demanding greater reliability of the telco services, we have made huge strides in the quality of our networks. In metropolitan areas, our mobile networkers are as good or better than our competitors. We are now the fastest growing 5G network in Australia. And with recent network sharing agreement, that's only set to get better. And I'll, and I'll touch on that more in a moment. And finally, as borders reopen, TPG and Vodafone's leading proposition for travellers, and that's both inbound and outbound, again becomes an unbeatable competitive position. So let's turn to mobile. As Inyaki mentioned, and as we went through at the beginning of the year, our mobile business stabilised towards the end of last year and at the beginning of this, and has now turned to growth. We're on track to deliver more than 120 net growth customers in the first half of 2020. We understand that sustainable and sustained growth is a long-term track and we'll have steps forwards and we'll have steps backwards. But we're confident that the levers that we're tracking to are the right ones and the ones that will continue to drive growth. I'll just go through these briefly. First, as we've just covered, given our cost base is far lower than our competitors, we're able to take a leadership position on providing value to Australians while still maintaining and growing our margin. And as I mentioned, this is now more relevant than ever as cost of living becomes front and centre. Secondly, as borders reopen, we're well positioned to capture growth into our international brands of Vodafone, but also of Labara. We have strong propositions for incoming and outgoing travel. Our $5 roaming is still unbeatable, and we have targeted offers for the international inbound tourism and also for students. Since the beginning of the year, roughly about one-third of our sales has come from this international inbound travellers. Now, we are aware that a large portion of inbound travellers and international travellers are short-stay, that they have, they're very welcome, they're very profitable, we love them as customers, but we do expect that they have a shorter tenure than domestic customers. Next, we focus on major sales periods during the year. It might sound self-evident, but it was a change we made last year and it's one that we continue. Instead of consistently being on sale and spreading our investments, effort and attention across the year equally, instead, we double down on key moments when the market is moving, meaning we're far more targeted in our offers, far more targeted in our campaigns and our channel executions. For example, currently, we're in the middle of our end of financial year sale and we have leading value propositions for both devices and plans and although we still have a very important final week to go for the end of year sale, we're very pleased of how it's going. Um, just quickly, it looks like it's probably up about 45% on the same period last year from a sales perspective. Churn management and building our relationships with our customers is the next and a very important one. Clearly acquisition, as I've just mentioned, is very, very important, but we are not a transactional business. So it's essential that we start to build relationships with our customers that become more personalised, become more trusting and become more valuable over time. We've renewed our focus in this area and we've shown some very positive early results. This has been enabled through attention in terms of our upgrade campaign, campaigns to reconnect our customers and also really doubling down into our next best activity, 
and so we can get that right message, the right customer in the right channel. And lastly, but probably most importantly and most centrally, our network is the best it's ever been. And it's wonderful to hear that message coming back from our customers. We have Australia's fastest growing 5G network. We now have about 90% in our metro area's population coverage. But from a consumer perspective, 5G is now available to almost all of our metropolitan customers. We have 5G plans that offer excellent value as well. So that was uh, Kieran Cooney, the group executive of Consumer at TPG Telecom. Now, to get his take on how the TPG Investor Day went, I'm joined by Rowan Pearce, the executive editor of Comms Day. Welcome, Rowan. Hey, Graham. So give us your take on it, maybe some of the other things that weren't in those audio grabs that uh, took your interest, and, and also if you thought the day overall was successful for TPG Telecom. I think um, I, I think um, taking that last point first, I, I think in some ways it was because they've come out with what feels like a kind of coherent strategic message to the market, I think, which kind of has been missing for the last couple of years. Like you said, it being kind of very focused on the mechanics of the merger and all that kind of thing. But now we've seen the uh, the TPG butterfly emerge from the cocoon, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, and like obviously that kind of message... Um, I think it's very interesting from both Kieran and Naki around the kind of like, you know, we're, we're a telco drawing that distinction perhaps between Telstra and Optus who are branching out kind of um, into adjacent markets. Um, and I guess the other thing um, that Kieran mentioned, which was very interesting, um, which I don't think we had in that clip, was that they they feel like they can take a slightly different strategic approach to market because the Mocken deal is going to increase massively their addressable market. His his estimate was going, you know, he said they'll go from a metro telco with 60% population coverage to a nationwide telco with close to 100% coverage. So that means that they don't need to pursue exactly the same kind of strategy to build up their kind of mobile share, which is quite interesting. Actually, the other thing that um, that Inaki kind of um, uh, uh, elaborated on to in his, um, his presentation was this kind of argument that... Um, there had been this market distortion through the MBN migration, particularly with like subscriber migration payments to um, Optus and Telstra, which he kind of implied had driven unsustainable discounting, as he called it. So that's coming to an end, obviously, with the MBN migration closing. So that means those payments are kind of like trickling off. And so it's kind of he's, he's betting on a different kind of market looking forward. Okay, interesting take there, Rowan, and uh, thanks for covering it for us. Cheers. Well, moving on to the hot topic of the Telstra TPG network sharing deal for regional Australia. Now, there's a few aspects to this agreement. Uh, one of them is that TPG basically gives Telstra all its spectrum in regional Australia. Uh, another one is that TPG sacrifices or gives up a lot of its infrastructure in regional Australia. But in return, uh, Telstra provides access to TPG on a lot of its network um, across regional and apparently peri-urban Australia as well. In fact, it's described as about 17% of the population or so. It's a complex deal. It's a controversial and polarising deal. And to set the scene, uh, let's hear from Kieran Cooney, who's the Group Director of Consumer at TPG Telecom. He spent a bit of time at the TPG Telecom Investor Day in Sydney describing what this agreement and pact is all about. Let's hear from him. 
If you're a customer in one of the major cities, we'll deliver a network experience that is as good or better than anyone else. And the reason that we're focused on the cities is the economics. Put simply, for us to build in regional areas doesn't make any financial sense. And this has meant that true national competition in the mobile operators has been lacking for too long. So we haven't competed for these customers, who have in turn had limited options and who they can choose to do business with. And this is reflected in our market share. In areas of metro, we're in the 20s, we're in the low 20s, but it drops to single digits as you move further out into the regional areas. The network sharing agreement has the potential to change this and provide us an opportunity to grow across all regions. And there's really three dimensions of that growth that I'll just touch on now. The first is churn reduction. This agreement will directly address one of the largest drivers of mobile churn, lack of regional coverage. We lost customers during COVID because they'd either moved to regional areas or they were traveling more to regional areas because they couldn't travel internationally. And when they did that, they started to bump up against the edge of our, of our network. With this, we'll be able to effectively recontact those customers, rewin those customers, but also attract customers who also value that kind of coverage. Next, we'll be able to help drive acquisition in our cities. There are specific segments of customers that live in cities, but who frequently travel to remote or regional areas of Australia, either for work or for holiday. And these types of customers probably wouldn't have considered us in the past due to our smaller regional network. But with a network sharing agreement, we'll be able to compete for their business, providing us with quite a considerable growth opportunity. And lastly, and probably most obviously and fundamentally, acquisition in our regional areas. As more than 4 million people that are covered by this regional network will be given a choice of another mobile operator. So important, through this deal, a core network will still operate without towers, our, our uh, uh, 4,800 towers, in exactly the same way that it'll operate with Telstra's towers, the 3,700 towers. And that's important because that allows us to control our product experience, our pricing experience, our real points of difference. Okay, so that's the argument uh, for why this is good for TPG and for why this deal should go ahead from their point of view. But not everyone agrees. There's a lot of opposition to this from quite a lot of the other challenger telcos, companies as diverse as Pivotel, Aussie Broadband, Symbio Networks. But the primary critic and the most high-profile one is Optus Communications. And I'm joined by the Vice President of Regulatory and Public Affairs, Andrew Sheridan. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Graham. Now, uh, you've heard what Kieran had to say there. What's your argument uh, in response to what he had to say about why this is, isn't a good thing for competition, but a bad thing for competition? Yeah, sure, Graham. Look, I think this is a watershed moment for our industry. And I think this deal presents an existential threat to competition. Um, if it goes ahead, it will potentially overturn 30 years of competition policy that has been built on infrastructure-based competition. Effectively, what's being proposed here is Telstra and TPG coming together to merge their regional networks, not share them, merge their regional networks. TPG is going to close down over 700 sites and move its traffic to the Telstra network. 
effectively in those areas, it's going to become an agent for Telstra. Now, I don't have issue that this might be financially a good deal for, te for, for TPG, but fundamentally what's at issue here is what this does for Telstra. Telstra, remember, is already the dominant provider in regional areas with something like 70% market share, probably over actually in many regional towns. This merger gives Telstra even more power, more dominance, and more ability to control the supply of communications in those regional areas. That, that may all be very well, but they're describing this as a network sharing agreement. Uh, you have contended in some of your statements recently that actually this isn't, isn't your grandfather's network sharing. It's a different type of arrangement. Can you explain how you see this as being different to the quite conventional network sharing arrangements we see around the world? And indeed, even in Australia, with Optus itself in the 3G area. Oh, absolutely. Well, you, firstly, you can't share what you don't own. And actually, under this deal, TPG's shifting, for example, ownership of the spectrum to Telstra. But you're right. Sharing's quite common in our industry. You know, we've had forms of sharing since the very first days of mobile services. A, a good example, we all share towers. So we have co-location agreements with Telstra, with TPG, with, with other industry players. And they've been common, I guess, in the sector. And, you know... They're very sensible. We call that passive infrastructure sharing. But what we don't do and haven't done today is share the technology that provides the services. And that's where we're increasingly starting to see across the world carriers coming together to move to that next level of sharing where you start to share some of the technology. Now, that's where, you know, you've got to be very, very careful from a competition perspective because as you start to share technology the opportunities for differentiation in the market starts to become reduced. And, you know, we've provided some material as part of our um, submission to the HCC that analyzes all the different options of sharing um, from one end of the spectrum, spectrum to the uh, passive sharing to the other end of the spectrum, you know, a very full resale agreement this arrangement, from our own experts, is an international outlier because it's not really sharing. Effectively, Telstra is providing a service to TPG. What's also unusual internationally is in a three-player market, the dominant provider sharing with one of the smaller providers. There's no example across the world where that has been approved. Why? Because it's bad for consumers and businesses and communities. As you start to share the technology, the opportunities for differentiation start to reduce. Your cost base becomes very similar. The service features become very similar. And, and it's at that point that um, regulators then start to have concerns about, well, what, will that, what impact will that have on the market? Um, what's the opportunity and, and incentive to invest and compete and differentiate in the market? So th that's the, usually the prism that regulators are looking at. We argue with this one that... It's actually not a sharing deal. Actually, it's TPG is effectively rebadging the Telstra network, and it's almost in regional areas will be an agent for Telstra, reselling the Telstra service just like other NVNOs, Belong, Boost, etc. 
So your argument, in a sense, is that this isn't a really an equal deal, that TPG is getting the raw end of the deal almost in terms of the medium or long term. Can, can you um, perhaps outline what would happen down the track, say, in 10 years' time when this deal expires and TPG needs to renegotiate it? I think the key aspect of this deal that we you know, need to focus on and we are concerned about is not the impact to TPG. It's what Telstra gets out of it. Why is Telstra doing this deal? Telstra is not, it, you know, it beggars belief that Telstra has done a deal that will allow it to lose customers, to weaken its position. That's not the case. Every aspect of this deal enhances Telstra's position. It's been paid by TPG um, to face less competition. It will get paid whether, Telstra, whether TPG uses the network coverage or not. And ultimately, those payments will lower its cost of capital. Tel- telecoms is a scale business, so improved scale for Telstra, which already has a dominant position. But the other aspect of this is the spectrum. It gives Telstra access to a huge quantity of additional spectrum. Now, in a 5G world, that spectrum will be incredibly valuable to offer a sort of service and speed and capacity that no one else in the market will be able to offer. So suddenly, Telstra, dominant position already today, further enhanced. And what I think that will lead to is the monopolization of regional telecommunications. Now, um, one of the arguments that's been presented by some of the other challenger carriers, uh, Aussie Broadband actually made this argument, was that if you're going to do this, it should be available on open access terms for anyone. If, if Telstra is going to effectively turn or allow TPG to become a supercharged MVNO, then what's good for the goose is good for the ganders, and everyone else should be able to come in on the same terms. What do you think of that idea? That's a hypothetical. Um, from our perspective, we're looking at the deal in front of us. The deal is bad for competition, it's bad for consumers and businesses, and it's a terrible outcome for, for, for regional areas. We think the deal should be opposed. Um, so, you know, that's my immediate reaction. And also on the, along the same lines, you've got NBN saying, well, if this deal goes ahead, we think that all fixed wireless should be regulated as if it's fixed superfast broadband. Now, what would that mean if, if they got their way on that? Well, again, I think, uh, as we've seen, this deal, the nature of it is such, and the, you know, the implications for the market are such that quite a number of other players are starting to say, what are the implications of this for X, Y, and Z? That's why it's so important that the ACCC has a very close look at it, and actually, it needs to oppose it. If you were a betting man, I know you're not, Andrew, but if you were a betting man, where do you think this is going to head over the evaluation period? I'm not a betting man. I'm not going to um, speculate on what the ACCC might do, but I think if you look at this deal from the lens of customers and communities, then it's quite clear that this is not a deal that will deliver the right outcomes for Australia. What it will do if it goes ahead is that it will lead to the remonopolisation of regional towns and cities and effectively entrench that regional digital divide that we've all spent so much trying to address over the last decade of competition policy. Okay, thank you very much for joining us today, Andrew. Thanks very much, Graham. And that's it for Comms Day Live this week. We'll see you next time. Thank you.